Warning, the content in this podcast contains some explicit language which may be offensive to some listeners and may be inappropriate for children. Therefore, the content in this podcast is intended for a mature audience only. So, would you fall in love with hip hop? Right here, what we're gonna do is go back. And today we have a special guest with us today. Uh, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Susan Porter and I am a candidate for Oklahoma House District 99. Okay. Nice. Yes. All righty. Well, so, um, we were talking about earlier the whole quarantine thing. So I think everybody is at this point feeling some effects of the whole quarantine thing. Um, I was talking to my daughter today, and they were, um, there was this meme. It's like people driving around in their car by themselves with the mask on. Like, who are you protecting yourself from yourself? Like, why are people driving around in these cars by themselves with masks on? They're not thinking about it at that point. They're thinking in the car, like, forever. You know? So I saw a lady with a mask on the way here um, getting going into the liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> get like anxiety but I'm kind of starting to get nervous because like the death toll is going up and like the number of cases is going up and then I was um reading something last night it said that New York I believe had like 30,000 cases and it said that and it said that somebody dies every 9.5 seconds in Mm -hmm. New York and so when I read that I was like oh I need to go to Walmart but I'm gonna just stay in the house I know when I go out you feel that eeriness and I'm thinking I just want (laughs) to go back home like I don't even really want to be out it's just weird Yeah. Yeah. yeah And that, yeah, that's how I've been feeling. It's like at first they were like, live your life, you know, just go about your day or whatever. Don't let it bother you. And that's what I was doing. But now it's kind of like, I don't want anybody to touch me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to touch anything. And so now I'm just starting to get like freaked out. Mm-hmm. Right. A little bit. Yeah. My thing, um, I, I was watching a video on Instagram with this nurse who was basically like, they're not being honest with you guys and what they're saying. Like they're telling you like, old people are dying and not just old people are dying. There are young people that are dying too. Um, they're like, there are people in like their twenties and thirties, like that are dying. She's like, we have cases coming in where, um, somebody dies on the side. They just throw a sheet over the person and then you have to move on to the next person, you know? And it's like, I, that's what freaked me out. I was like, okay. So, you know, at first I thought, you know, well, we have pretty good immune systems, you know, we'll be okay. But then when I started hearing the, the age limit, like the age of people dropping, I was like, okay, wait, look. I know, that's <laughs> you got important. perfectly healthy people yeah, exactly. dying from this. I was like, okay, maybe this is really more than what they, you know, actually said. And then they said that our cases in the United States are higher than any other case in the world. Like, everybody else's cases are not as substantially high as ours. I wonder why that is. Do you think they take they took took it more seriously than we did? Um, I think it's to some level, yeah. Like even like that that message I sent you, 
Uh, are you? I sent y'all in a group message today. It's like stay at home, but you can go to Walmart, piss mark. You can go do your job. You can go to the liquor store. You can go to the gas station. You can. It's almost like yeah, stay at home, but you got about fifteen other different places you can actually get out and car, at your car and go. Oh, and by the way, the police are. You got a curfew, but nobody's gonna really pull you over and ask you why you're out of your house. We don't have a curfew though, do we? Well, the midnight thing, I believe. Is that midnight to be, we have to be off the streets by midnight? No. Oklahoma doesn't have a curfew. Not yet. Okay. I don't know if you've noticed the mayors from Italy, and they've shown them on the news where they said, we will come find you, and you will go to jail. Like, we will shoot you with flamethrowers. Stay at home. Are you Oh, yeah. It's been this whole online with all of the mayors in Italy threatening people. Like, we will... Find you, get off the street. They're yelling and cursing at people. What are you doing? Go home. That's really? how severe it is over there. So maybe that's why it's like controlled because they're enforcing it. I mean, it's they're tight enforcing it. Yeah. I mean, because you got to think about it. Like the other day, it was warm outside. There was a ton of people at the lake and playing basketball. I mean, but you got to think like people <laughs> oh have been gosh. cooped up in the house and I they're think like. Today, Oklahoma's like in the top five of deaths. Oklahoma. Because we're not taking it serious enough. I mean, like, they even... They the red states on there. Yes. Yeah, even when they did the original shutdown here, it was only in Oklahoma City, like Apollo said. But the other outsides, right. you could go to Midwest City, or you could go to Edmond, or you can go to other places, and it still didn't matter, like... Because we really don't have a shutdown. No. No, and I know Louisiana, I was trying to find it. Um, their cases have... It's been yes, crazy in Louisiana, right. like how fast yeah. it's spreading. Right, yeah. and they said that they felt like that was because of Mardi Gras. It's... Part of the reason why mm-hmm. it kind of ran rapid or whatever. Mm-hmm. But why is it running rapid here? We don't have nobody grinding a big I have no event idea. going on that people are just, the people in Oklahoma just don't wash their hands. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But like you said, if Oklahoma City is enforcing it, but the other counties isn't enforcing it, then, you know, you're leaving room for people to get infected. Right. Well, and I think, too, we had a lot of people that were tested and those results are just not coming back. So True. it exactly. seems like it's a quick you know, escalation in numbers when really it's just the tests are finally being processed. That's true. And then they're finding out how many people actually have it. Exactly. That is so true. maybe yeah. it will start to slow down a little bit now that testing sites are more accessible and then the cases were staying home and so maybe it's not spreading as much. Um, I had a, one of our doctors that worked with us. So I manage a, I work with a dental management company full time mm-hmm. and we went, took all of our offices to emergency care only um, we stopped all hygiene. We ran a skeleton crew. And our company was really fantastic. They actually gave all of our hourly employees that work in the dental offices two weeks of emergency pay oh, wow. to help offset their hours. Yes. So because we still kept them, you know, working and in the practice, but instead of 40 hours, they maybe only worked 20. So then oh, okay. they still had 20 hours of emergency pay that they could apply and not have to use their vacation time to That's at least nice. buy them yes. some time. So I really appreciate that about the company. And with patients, I mean, it was just emergency care only. Call us when you are in the lot or outside, come in one at a time. You know, we've been very, very. What um, would be considered like emergency care? So an abscess, um, someone that a broken tooth, if you need an extraction, maybe an emergency root canal. Um, if you're crown popped off where that's not necessarily emergency care but then you can't just leave a tooth exposed like that so you would have to come in and get that crown like resubmitted or get your permanent crown delivered um but when one of our doctors she went out of town she came back she didn't feel well she self-quarantined herself for 14 days she went to go get the test and they wouldn't test her and as it turns out i mean she ended up being fine and her fiance they did test him but it took maybe 
a week before he got the results back, and that was in the early stages. So that's why I say now I think it's so oh, many right. numbers. And his yeah. test, fortunately, was negative as well. But how long it just took to process and just to even get him tested. Right. So, mm-hmm. And then if you are positive and you don't know you're positive and you're out in Walmart and, then you and you're out grocery spread shopping, yep, yeah. you're spreading it. Well, that poor family in New York that was kind of in the exactly. epicenter and they just spread it out through that one community, like I felt so horrible for them because yeah. the father went away, came back, and then they just completely infected an entire community they just unaware. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's crazy. So crazy, but yeah, I think it's just it's this is so different because like even the I was telling I don't know if I was telling you guys but like the waking up and like going to my living room thing, it's just weird. Like I feel like I'm in the middle of a dream. Like I have to get up. I'm getting up. I'm waking the kids up, but we're not going anywhere. We're just going to the living room. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm going tomorrow. to the table. I think it's gonna be different because I've never you know. So when I start working from home tomorrow, we'll. It's definitely going to be different. I mean, it's different. And the thing is, like, the other part is, like, my anxiety. I was like, okay, look, I don't even know how. Because Legend gets up and he don't want to go. A Friday, he fell asleep. So I'm like, do I make you get up and force you to do this? Like, I'm trying to work. So that means that at this point, you're going to be extra whiny. I'm going to be trying to force you to do your work. Or do I just say go back to bed? Because what happened was, since... They're used to not, like, going anywhere. Like, the bedtime thing is the routine is kind of thrown off. So, like, making them go to bed at night. Um, He went to bed that night, but, like, he gets up in the middle of the night if he's not in the bed with me. So, he's like, girl, we didn't came back. He got snacks and juices. He didn't went through all night because he didn't been up all night. And so, when it's time to get up and learn, like, he literally, like, was, I'm like, okay. So, I just said, how about you just go lay down? So he lay down and slept till one o'clock. Yeah, they that. Well, my kids been doing that, been sleeping till like two or three. But I told them starting Monday morning, tomorrow morning, I said we're gonna get back on the schedule. So I when I get up and work, mm-hmm. you're gonna get up and do some work. And I like, so we gotta do school work all day. I'm like, not all day, but I mean a big majority of your day because normally you would still be on in school mm-hmm. because they keep saying we don't have school, we can stay up. Like no, like you you have to get into a routine because yeah. everything that they're doing, like this stand up until like three o'clock and in the morning and waking up at three o'clock in the afternoon is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. I mean, but it's an adjustment for everybody. It is. A we, yeah. yeah. Every, well, yeah. and it was coming off of spring break. True. Exactly. Right? right. So that also played a part into it because right. you were on spring break exactly. where you right. were staying up and sleeping in. Right. And then this happens. And so you, you fell out of routine. Right. Only to not go back exactly. into, into a routine. routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that that's just been, that's been crazy. And I, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to, and then this like the working. So like for us, they want us to be like clocking in, checking in every five seconds. I'm like, I can't check in with you every five seconds. Help the first grader every fifteen seconds. And then you wanna keep asking, so put this on here, put this on here. What you doing? What you doing? What you doing? I need y'all to understand that like y'all are making y'all are stressing me out. I, you know, I just had a conversation with someone about that because last week I worked from home and I worked from home periodically anyway, so it wasn't that big of an adjustment, but it was a busy work week. Like I was on the phone on calls all day long, Mm -hmm. like from one call to the next to the next, some video, some on the phone. And my son, fortunately, he's 
16. He's a sophomore in high school. So he can go in there and do what he needs to do. Right. But the emails that were coming through from the teachers just trying to keep me exactly. updated, my work emails. And then I thought, if I had a little kid that I had to actually sit down and do schoolwork yes. with and work this job, I would lose my mind like I don't yeah. I wouldn't be able to do it that would be so stressful because just the emails coming through from the teachers I was like okay I'm gonna have to set time aside so I know what he's yeah, doing exactly. and how to help him right plus manage you know the job and and then run a campaign on top of that too and if I had right. a little kid to take care of yeah it would be stressful it I'm is gonna, I'm gonna I mean because I'm on the phone <laughs> eight to ten hours I don't know how we gonna work that out Right, because when be you stop and need my time. help, like mm-hmm. how am I supposed to stop and help? You? Right, like no, you know I'm, what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Be like at a right, schedule. I can't get off the phone so. and help. Right, mm-hmm. so that's the thing. Like it, I think it's a it's it's horrible because, like I said, he's very much hands on, which he should be. Mm-hmm. He's at that age of hands on, you know. So when he gets somewhere he's stuck, I have to be like, wait, wait, wait. You know, let me finish what I'm doing over here, and then I can help you. And then I took on my sister, my little sister who is a bit behind too. So then trying to find out like what her level is, where she's at, helping her out because my mom has to be at work. So you're talking about homeschooling a kid and my mom is in her office at the hospital. She can't take her to the hospital with her, mm-hmm. you know? So how is she supposed to homeschool a kid who she can, when she's got to go to work every day? So it was just kind of like, I don't know how we're going to work this out. So I was just like, you know, bring her over here. But I didn't even think that, the, I didn't think about that's like doubling up on me. Mm-hmm. The amount of people that I'm having to now sit down and be like, okay, do this. Okay, try this. Okay, you need help with this. Okay, I'm sorry, but let me try well, that. What my job said, um, because they, um, a lot of people like voice the concern. Like I have little kids and now I'm forced to be at home with my little kid and you want me to work. So what they told them to do, and I don't really know if this is necessarily fair, but they told them like to log your time correctly. So if you're actually, say you work six hours, log that you work six hours. But if you had to really sit there with your kid for two hours then log that or take that, it's like vacation time or leave is what they told them. So, like I said, I don't really know if that's fair. I don't know if people are going to be honest about it, but that's what they told them because they know that people can't, you can't do your work for eight hours with little kids. Like, they but the know other that. thing is, like, how fair is that to me that you forced me to go home and now I have to use vacation it, I have time. to use vacation time. Right. Or exactly. I'm having to use my accrued sick leave. Right. That's so what I'm like, saying. I don't know if that's necessarily mm-hmm. fair. They sit out a, um, like a, a act or whatever for us because we're state employees. So they have like a where if you have to be at home, they'll give you two-thirds pay, but you can be off for two weeks. But I'm like, well, I, two-thirds pay still ain't my full pay. Mm-hmm. Like, I still need to be paid my full amount and try to figure out how to work with these you know i still need to do all of this at the same time so i just don't think that they i really don't think that we were truly prepared we were not prepared for this as a country we were not prepared for this um and so the thing is like you're now you're trying to figure out a way to acclimate or get everybody adjusted into Mm -hmm. it and then we have the audacity to be like well you know what sorry you know take some of your leave uh what if i don't have leave and what if i need the leave later for an actual time where i can't be at work or i don't have any so then what then what yeah Mm -hmm. it's just trial and error at this point yeah right but yeah it's trial and error but i'm thankful that we all have the opportunity to work from home because there's so many people because it's a lot of people that don't have income at this Mm -mm. at this point no bartenders club owners i mean you know just people who work in those type of people who actually got fired um, or, yeah. laid, or laid yeah, off. Or laid off. My niece is like, one of those yeah. people. Pregnant. 
laid off yeah. sales manager at a hotel. Actually, okay. not laid off. She was fired. But then they try to turn it into the layoff. That's a whole other thing. But being pregnant and now without right. a job, all because of this, and especially with your hotel industry, because no right. one is going to stay in a hotel. Mm-hmm. I had to travel two weeks ago. Um, and when we got to the hotel, of course, I had, which I'm this person anyway. I always... Clorox wipe when I get to the hotel. I mean, I do. <laughs> I wipe. I already spray Lysol, so I have little to go things of Lysol and wipes because I'm wiping everything down anyway. But I was extra when I went to the hotel. Um, but it was so empty. I think I asked her when I checked in. I said, "So, how many people do you have?" And this was in Fort Worth, mm-hmm. and she said, um, "We have ten guests." I was like, "All right." I said, "So we're spread out then?" She was like, "Yes, you are spread out." I was like, "Okay." And then when I went and sat down in the lobby the next morning to work and um, do some calls, um, there was no one down there. I mean, it was just empty except for the lady. And they had no breakfast. Like all of that. You could get coffee, but that was it. And they had like some granola bars, but there was no food out. There was none of that. So, so yeah. the other thing is the stimulus package that they're now introducing to everybody, you know, and everybody can get the stimulus package unless you make a certain amount. And that's based on your either 2018 tax return or 2019 tax return, which I think is unfair for those who say, for instance, you did file your taxes or whatever, and you did make a certain amount of money, but now you're laid off. You still need that money. You still need the full amount. Yep. So yeah. if you made $75,000 or you made $90,000 last year, that doesn't mean that I have that money now. And if I got laid off because mm-hmm. my job says you don't, we don't have the ability to help to, for you to telework and we have to close, mm-hmm. then what happens? Yeah. And why do the people between 75000 to 99000 get less? Because they probably get taxed higher because of their income. And they still need, I mean, we all still have the same expenses. I can understand capping it at 100000 because Mm -hmm. in the United States and in most instances, if you make a six-figure income, one, you probably aren't getting laid off. Like, you're probably still working. um, And you hopefully have the means and the ability to sustain if income were lost. But... Under a hundred thousand, and to break that up in that little realm, I thought that's I, mean, yeah. I don't I understand. And there's still not a specified amount. It's just it's a lesser amount. Well, what right. is that lesser yeah. amount? Well, well it's like said, minus five dollars for every hundred or something like that. So you're minus over. five dollars for every hundred dollars you make over. Yes. So if you make a thousand, if you make seventy six thousand. That's crazy, ain't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, and then it's five dollars for every hundred that you made over. So yeah. like nothing, right? What am nothing. I gonna go home? Like, like, right. I don't even get no check. Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but this is what not is, even think that that's yeah. come get it out your brain. But, this, I'm but not thinking like this, this because <laughs> the other thing is, are those that do get the full amount of the check still have to claim that on their tax return next year. So oh, you st- it's yeah. still even though you know like even though you get the full amount. Oh yeah. Next still, year when you file your taxes, it's taken from it's gonna it's gonna count against you from that part anyway. So those under the seventy five thousand dollar bracket, you know, you're still getting taxed on the amount. Like so, you don't make a lot of money already anyway. Right. But then you're gonna get this little stimulus check, and then you're gonna get taxed on top of that. So I was reading an article where they were saying that. If your check, la- like if your taxes last year was less than your taxes this year, then you might want to wait and file your taxes, um, wait and file your taxes and let them go off of your 2018 point, you know, whatever your 2018 income was. 
or like they had like different scenarios. Like my daughter's seventeen, so no matter what, I'm not getting like the extra five hundred, and I don't know that she will actually even get anything because we she filed her taxes or whatever, but she can still be considered a dependent, which I don't understand why we have that year gap there where like she doesn't qualify because she's still a dependent on somebody and she's still a child in someone's home but they have that gap so that was the other thing they were like well you know since she was 16 when you filed your 2018 tax return then you could still get the 500 dollars for her if you didn't file your 2019 but that might retrospect so when you go do go ahead and file your taxes since they've extended it once you do go ahead and file your taxes then in 2000 in 2021 when you file your 2020 taxes then you'll have an issue and you'll still owe that 500 dollars back so what's more important do you really need that 500 dollars extra now or should you wait that out why or should would you, you owe it back though because she was because you're 2019 you didn't you weren't supposed to get it because so. even if they're 18 they could still be considered as a dependent yes but the the way that it's set up is it's twelve hundred dollars for an adult five hundred dollars for a child right. she's not a child she was so after 17 they're no longer considered child children so then you still don't so you don't get the extra five hundred dollars for a child dependent you get so I she'll guess. get her twelve hundred possibly. Possibly, mm-hmm. she'll either get her twelve hundred possibly, she should. or but she failed taxes. So. Yeah, but yeah, she's she still should. a dependent, so she might not get anything. Is what I, I'm saying. Well, it would be like if I pay tax, if I filed a tax exactly. return and paid taxes, and pay taxes then so I should qualify, then you should qualify regardless of how old she, I am. Because she would right. claim her as a dependent at that point. Right. She would just right so however way that was it was like red like that so there was a point where like some people might not get a tax might not actually get the stimulus Mm -hmm. so that if they're considered a dependent they're not going to get the stimulus so i don't know how that works or whatever but it's just weird so to me i'm like that's stupid they gotta have that figured out because your kid can work and you can still file them as a dependent because they don't work a lot of hours so you could still file them on your taxes as a dependent because Dominique, you know, she worked, but I still filed her as a dependent. But I don't, but this year I don't really know. I mean, with her being 18, I don't really know how that will work if she'll get the 1200 or I get the 500 Well, and what's the minimum you have to make to have to file taxes? I can't like remember. 10, I think it's 10000 Okay. And she didn't make that. Yeah. So it, yeah. it was a very small amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's just a lot of just different variables, I think, that go into it. And I think um, just the whole thing. But like I said, it's just weird because now you have these people who really truly might need that money who have to wait it out to get that money because like i said i know people who've been fired mm-hmm. literally lost their job and now you're back on the market trying to find a job you know and like we were talking about you know them putting the kids out in langston you know or even out of college housing you know if i need a job if i don't have anyone else to our home to go home to then what am i supposed to do because sometimes you can stay with, especially in college, you can stay twenty. You can stay from semester to semester. Like you can go from winter to spring to summer because you just keep going to classes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that way you'll be able to, you know, you can do that. Or like in a normal situation, you could work, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's just a messed up situation all the way around. I don't think yeah. we were prepared. We were not prepared. But I think after, like, once we overcome this, I think that they will put different plans in place, you know, just in case this happened again. How long do you think it's going to be? I don't know, because a part of me <laughs> wonder if this is like a bio warfare. 
Mm-hmm. I really wonder that because they really can do that. They talk about, they've talked about that for years, all the movies that come out. I mean, if you think about it, when you look at movies, they got that storyline from somewhere. Mm-hmm. They didn't pull it out their ass. Like, they got it from somewhere. <laughs> like, and I really feel like this is one of those situations. Like, it's like, okay, we're going to infect your people. Mm-hmm. Well, have you watched the TED Talks with, like, Bill Gates was on one of them talking about, like, what it would look like if um, everyone was to catch a virus and... How big, how much it was spread, and how easy it was spread. Like he did a whole TED talk on it, like oh, in wow. 2015. No, and I really <laughs> believe like people in high places have access to information that we don't have access to, and I think they know. And all they know is all somebody have to do is release it. And then, <laughs> bam, there you go. It's just interesting. It came out of nowhere, right? Uh, you know. And then if you've heard about the woman that wrote the book that predicted this in 2008, Sylvia. What was her name? Oh, the psychic lady. Yes, the psychic lady who wrote a book and said that in 2020 there would be this, you know, huge pandemic. And as soon as it came in, then it would leave and it wouldn't happen again for another 10 years. So it's been all on the internet about this lady and this book that she wrote. And now the book is she's passed away. So I hope her family had royalties on her book because I I think people have been buying it. I think it was called The End of Days or, um, but she predicted all of this. Oh well, so, I'm have to, yeah, I, I, wanna, I believe in book. prophets. I do believe that people get messages. But she used to be on was it um Montel Jordan show all the time? I don't know. Was probably I think she was like a medium or something. Yeah. And she used I to remember talk to remember and she used to talk show. to like the yes. people's deceased loved ones or whatever. Deceased, yeah. And she would be like, So that makes you question if that stuff is real. Yes, yeah, Sylvia Brown was her name. Sylvia Brown. I think that was it. Yeah. And the book was end of days. And uh, so wow. there's been a lot recently added mm-hmm, about the book. And did she proclaim, um, did she predict that this was going to happen? Huh. And it was written after SARS epidemic. Uh, the the, the so. camera moved. Go check it. Moved? Yeah. Apollo 6 is I said the camera moved. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's crazy. Okay. And it was on Montel Williams. Trying to see it. <laughs> Montel Williams. Yes. yes. In around 2020, a severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments. Almost more baffling than the illness itself will be the fact that it will subtly vanish as quickly as it arrived, ag- attack again 10 years later, and then disappear completely. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? I know. So, yeah. Yeah. As like I said, I just think I feel like y'all I just started feeling like, okay, this just came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It took over. China has had the ability has like figured out how to um fix it. Oh, that's that's new. I know. And I'm China has figured out how to like cuz they like their numbers are starting to decrease. Mm-hmm. And they built a whole hospital in 10 days. 10 days. <laughs> yeah. Ten days. That lets you know that all this this slacking on these highways. <laughs> you can have that done in ten days. Well, you don't know how. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh-uh. No, don't play with highways. Like that. <laughs> we don't know what they use to nah, put their <laughs> No, especially if we going over bridges. I don't need it to be like. Oh. No. like don't do that. Uh, Oklahoma's right. new exactly. earthquake. Um, our foundation and the exactly. highway cracking, yeah, yeah, don't have. But confidence. it still don't take ten years to get a highway through, baby. They be. be I feel 10 like years. they're moving so fast. They, they're they're moving a little bit yeah, faster. They are. Yeah. Yes, yeah, right under that yeah. Broadway extension. I, I mean, I can't wait until it's done. And you and me both. Every day during the summertime is blocked off at night. 
girl, and I come and go get Jake from dance and go past that at 63rd is walking home. Like, oh, I gotta go all down down Western, right? But it's gonna be nice, it is gonna whenever be nice. they finish, yeah. So, yeah, nice. so I have a question for you guys, okay? Um, when someone borrows something from you. Whose job is it to get the, the item back? So, um, this is how I wrote it. Let me write it. Um, when someone borrows something from you, should you have to ask for it back? You shouldn't have to ask for it back. And also, are you responsible for retrieving the item? If you want your stuff back. <laughs> <laughs> like, I shouldn't have to ask you, but I'm not going to let you just keep it forever. My One of my girlfriends, um, she called me out on social media. She, Her husband makes this delicious salsa. Mm-hmm. And so she made some salsa, and she put it in her nice Pyrex bowl, and she brought it to me, and she said, I want my bowl back. I was like, yes, I'll bring you your bowl back. Because <laughs> I had the sauce. Of course, I washed the bowl. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to get the bowl back. And it just sits on the kitchen table. And then finally, she put a post on Facebook of the bowl and oh. my picture. <laughs> and she said, if anyone has seen this woman and my bowl, would you please ask her to return it to me? You wrote it so up there to write it was, in, I like, did. I, I was am like, so you sorry. did not have to put me on black side. <laughs> I will get you your. She was like, yeah, I want my Pyrex bowl. I was like, well, all right then. I will okay. get it back to you. And if I ever borrow anything from you again, I will return it. But next time you will remember. I'll remember it. I'll return it back. So you would do something like that. What? You'd be serious about getting something. It depends on what it is. Like the bowl I eat my fur out of, if y'all borrowed that bowl, I would come back, I would come over to your house and get my bowl because I like that bowl that much. (laughs) Be serious about it. Yeah. But I think Mm -hmm. the responsibility is the person who borrowed it. Like, I shouldn't have to hound you for my stuff. And right. it's the same way with money. Like, when people borrow money from you, why do I have to call you, like, on your payday or past your payday and be like, hey, did you get paid? Um, you think you get... I mean, you know, you shouldn't have to do that. And then you feel weird having to ask, like... I do. I like, do. hey, um, you know, you got that $20, you... <laughs> but then why do people get an attitude, like, when you ask for the money that... You, you borrowed right. that you were supposed to pay back, say right. on the 10th, and it's now the 15th, and you haven't given it back, and you got attitude with me because I asked you five days later. Right. Like, no. Well, I guess it goes back to if you <laughs> if you lend something out, you have to be okay with it not hey, coming back. I and I, I, I understand right. that concept, yeah, too. Absolutely. absolutely. I understand that you have to be okay with it not coming back, except if you lent it out because somebody was in a, a, a jam. Right. And I'm not, not much better in income or finances than you are. Like, I think that that's the, you know, they're like, only give what you can, right? Mm-hmm. And then somebody calls you and they're like, look, I'm on E. I'm, I don't have any gas. I got to get my babies to school tomorrow. Can you please? And I give you my last $20, you know? And then you because you said you get paid in two yeah. days, so I'm okay. You know, I can get my $20 back in two days. You know, I think sometimes we under we we assume our well. You must be broke because you need your twenty dollars. I was broke when I gave you my twenty dollars. <laughs> like, you know, so like to have that assumption that like every time someone's giving something to you, they have the ability to just let it go. Right. I think it's I think that's a horrible. It's selfish. Yeah, that's a horrible way to think. Mm-hmm. Like you said, in two days you get paid. So in two days I need my twenty dollars mm-hmm. back because I don't get paid for five days. Mm-hmm. So in two days I'm gonna be in the same situation you was in two days ago, and have to borrow from somebody else. 
because you're not giving me my $20 back. Or when I called you, you was like, oh, I don't even understand why you acting like this. Like, Yeah, but it's also like when you tell them, okay, I'm going to give this to you, but I need this back. Like, you have to pay me back. I can't just afford to let this go. Then when that time comes and a day or two passes and I call you, hey, I need that money. If you get an attitude with me, well, then... You should probably cut not call me. Right. Either. Like, well, <laughs> I still need my money back, and I don't know why you get in an attitude when you exactly. owe me the money. Right. Yeah. Or, I mean, I'm just, I mean, more than likely you're going to need it again, and I'm just not going to loan it to you. Right. Time. Right. So, right. I mean, we could probably still be cool or whatever. I'm not going to, you know, end my friendship over $20, but at the same time, you will probably need me again before I need you, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, it's just, if you don't yeah. want to pay me back, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But my right. thing is, if you don't, I'm not going to ask. Uh, I'm not. Like, if I loan it, I'm not going to ask, because my thing is, you know, I'm not going to loan nothing I don't have. Right. And if you don't pay me back, I'm just not going to loan it to you again. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to be done with it. Right. Well, see, I say items, because, like, you know, you have siblings, so sometimes my siblings will borrow stuff, and then you're like, well, you borrowed my stuff, and they go through my daughter to borrow it, and then, like, I have to go back to their house at, like, 10 o'clock at night, because it never came back. And I'm like, you know... I didn't wash my hair. I need my blow dryer now. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, you go looking for your stuff, and it's underneath the sink. Some, you know, usually where it's at. And then you go asking, like, so, oh, such and such got it. So then I got to get in my car. I feel like you should come drive it back to my house. Oh, uh, they should. Yeah. I don't like loaning out stuff, though. Right. I really don't. I don't either. I really don't. <laughs> so, like, so. yeah, because the retrieving it part is so, and it's inconvenient. Yeah. Like when I have to go all the way to the other side of town to get my stuff because I need it and you had it and then you got an attitude because it's 10 o'clock at night. Well, you know, if you would just left it in my house, <laughs> I wouldn't would be, be on my way right to your now. house right. coming to get it. So. Mm-hmm. so, so who is Susan Porter? So Susan Porter is um, a Northeast Eastside girl. I love Oklahoma City. I've always loved Oklahoma City and Oklahoma. I've lived out of state, but I just, I've always loved Oklahoma. Um, the youngest of seven kids. Oh, wow. So I have a very big family. I have close to probably 30 nieces and nephews, I would oh, wow. say. Yeah, the majority of my family is all right here in Oklahoma City, nice. which is nice. nice. So nice. it's interesting nice. to be the youngest kid and the youngest of seven. So, yeah, that was pretty awesome. So, are you related to Melvin Porter? Mm-hmm. So, E. Melvin Porter was my father. Okay. And then I have a brother named Melvin Porter as okay. well. And he's uh, an attorney, correct? Uh, my brother Joel is, is an attorney. attorney. Okay. Yes. Okay. And then my father was an attorney also. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Your father was a, he was a senator. He was well. a senator. Okay. And so, he was the first uh, African-American senator in Oklahoma. Okay. So, he served for 22 years in the Senate, and oh, then wow. he was a criminal defense attorney. Nice. Yeah. yeah, my so. daughter. Um, so you know April. Yes, April's my niece. And um, Imari. And that's my great niece. Yes. So Imari yes. Ima- and my daughter are best friends growing up. Oh, wonderful. So yeah. Um, yeah. So I know Imani, Imari, um, Elise, all of them babies yes. over there. Yes. And then the twins. And now the twins. I know. Yes. 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 So. Um, so April was my first niece. So, okay. Um, we're about a year and a half apart. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, oh, because oh, you're the baby. Because I'm yes. the baby. And so I was telling my nephew and I were having a conversation. I said, you know what? My identity growing up, I always, I grew up as a sister or whatever. I also grew up as an aunt. So I've always identified mm-hmm. as an aunt. And I've always been very protective of my nieces and nephews. And I'm the one growing up. If something was going on, it was... 
can you talk to your niece or your nephew or can you talk to my mom or my dad? <laughs> you know, I'm the one that would go pick people up in the middle of the night and nope, you can't say anything to me. Get in the car. I'll right. deal with you later, sister or brother or whomever, exactly. but she's coming home with me or he's coming with me and we'll handle this, you know. Okay. So yeah, so I've always been so that you're like the cool aunt. I'm the cool aunt, yeah, okay. and I love being an aunt. Okay, so I do. Girl, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it even further yeah. and say, you know, Edward Porter. Yes, Edward was my third grade boyfriend. Really? Yes, he was. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that, that does take it back. So yes. like, we went to Millwood together. Yes, very good. Wow, so, yeah. small world. Yes, right? very small. small. Cause Cause we we said Porter because they were like, well, there's different sides of Porter. So I'm like, I wonder. If she knows April and Edward yeah. and Joel, and yeah, that we know, um, we know their family, your family pretty well. Yeah, very so, yeah. nice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, there's Melvin, uh, my sister Danita, my sister Sonia, my brother Joel, my brother Larry, who we actually lost um, last year, okay. unexpectedly last year, and then uh, my brother Diane, and then me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how was it being the baby of seven? seven. It was awesome because you're around and you're literally invisible. So I would be, back then, I mean, I was born in 1973. And so my parents were a part of this social club. And so they'd have parties. You know, they'd go to their friends' houses or they'd mm -hmm. come to our house. So whenever they hosted their social club party at our house, you know, I was up, out of the bed, entertaining, running around. <laughs> you know, everyone else had to be in their rooms. But... You know, it's the baby, so oh, you're just kind of yeah. in the mix, and so you're just observing and hearing and seeing everything. And there's four years between me and the next child, and then eight years between me and the next, so the gaps oh, are... Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, the okay. gaps are big. So okay. by the time I hit high school, you I was like an yourself. only child. Was, yeah. yeah. So it was awesome. She's like Kayla, like my sister. Yeah. That is, yeah. Because yeah. that's how we are, so mm -hmm. we're four years apart. So I'm, four, um, I'm the oldest, and then my brother's four years behind me, and then my sister's eight years behind me. Mm-hmm. So by the time okay. me and me and Chris were gone, Kayla was there by herself. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so, by yeah. then it was just get good grades, do what you're supposed to do, you know. And you learn. I'm a person who learns from the mistakes of others. Yeah. I don't have to experience something myself to know what not, not to, do. to do. I'm like, <laughs> oh. and, I'm, like, and I'm a baby as well, and I learned a lot from my older siblings yeah, as well. Yeah, so I watched and I understood, oh, when you do this, daddy responds that way. When you do this, exactly. mommy responds that way. Yeah. So I just know what I won't do because I would think if my sister would just stop talking and just shut up, she would not get in trouble. She always had to have the last word. And I would just stand there like, you're making it so much worse. And we're 11 years apart. And I would just think, oh my God, if you would just stop talking. So sometimes with my son, I will laugh. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're just like your aunt. If you would stop trying to have the last word. It's because no one, you haven't learned yet. You, you haven't watched yeah. anyone do it yet. Yeah. So you just, you know. And then also, he's I the think. only child? And he's an only child. So then, of course, he gives me, well, I'm just like you. I'm like. That is That's not the point. That you family and you only want to oh, one yeah, no. Child. I didn't want a large family. In fact, I just saw myself as the cool aunt forever. Okay. The aunt that, you know, on spring breaks, I would have my nieces come down part of the spring break. My nephews would come okay. down the other part of the spring break when I lived out of state. And, you know, even now today, my great nieces, um, they come over all the time and spend okay. the night. And we have our annual, like at Christmas time, we do our annual 
um, Aunt Susie sleepover. And, oh, that's yeah, nice. Yeah, so we'll do vision boards, and we stay up oh. all night long. Um, on nice. my birthday, I always have a party at my house with my family, and my nieces know that they get to spend the night and that we're going to stay up oh, all so night nice. long. That is nice. So, yeah, it's a, that's yeah. Nice. And my son, he just takes it because there are a lot of girls below him uh, yeah and he just rolls with the punches so he's just you know. like a whatever, he's just like a, whatever. whatever. <laughs> yeah he's like whatever That's it's funny. the girls yeah so how was it going growing up since your dad was a senator like mm-hmm. already in politics was that hard or um it was interesting you know i fortunately i went to millwood kindergarten to 12th grade and oh. so and lived in wildwood and you had back then the school was definitely populated through the neighborhood so you had to live in the neighborhood to go to school there and so you had a nice internal network of people that I think gave me um, security and a strong foundation Mm -hmm. because growing up, especially in the 70s and the 80s and coming out of segregation and coming off of so much with the civil rights movement um, and daddy being such a prominent person in the state, it had its moments. I mean, I remember in um, elementary school and daddy was doing some trial and it had nothing to do with him being in the senate it was actually with his legal career Mm -hmm. but we started getting um threatening letters from the kkk oh wow like i very clearly remember my parents sitting us down and i was young at the time but um saying you know do not leave school with anyone unless it is us like we had like police over all the time it was just an intense moment and just recognizing a lot of things that he did um, to help serve his community and in his profession it did carry over and then growing up in your life you know your parents in the newspaper and you know it's sometimes personal it's sometimes you know business but also the personal aspect and just the way people treat you or the assumptions they make about you so that's where I'm very thankful that we all did have what we have and how we grew up and where we went to school because my friends from kindergarten are the exact same people that I'm friends with today. You know, so my... my, You don't move around and you can stay in the area for that long. So it was a safety net of growing up, you know. And I didn't take all that from you. (laughs) And and it's interesting on people's experiences, you know, but it's different. I mean... Yeah, it's different for each person. Yeah. Because I moved around a lot as a kid. So Mm -hmm. that was one of my goals, to not move my kids around. I wanted them to be able to have those same set of friends growing up all their life. So I've never, like, in school, you know, we've been in my house. I bought my house when they were little kids. Yeah. Right. So Jay was only in first grade, and really? Jayden wasn't born yet. Uh-huh. Hmm. Jay was only in first grade. He has gone into first grade. That you've been so they've been there all his life. So he's grew. You know, everybody yeah. knows everybody. Well, then it was some, I mean, you know, like in the second grade, we took our second grade class, took a field trip to the Capitol, and Daddy, you know, introduced us and everything. And then, and it was just the randomness of like going back to our house for a cookout and, yeah. you know, but having these people. And when, when our dad passed away, um, it was very humbling to hear how our family played such a big part in our friends and their environment and what they received coming into our home and what our father gave them that nice. I don't think we saw it that way because to us exactly. he was just daddy. Yeah. Right. But it was it was really humbling and just, I mean, just amazing to hear them talk about how he influenced their lives and the things that he did. Or, you know, just to be, I mean, I remember we were out at dinner at Red Lobster. It was me, my dad, my mom. I mean, that's funny. Red Lobster used yep, to be Yep, my sister, Sonia, <laughs> my nephew, Victor, 
Um, and my son wasn't even born yet. So this was a, a while ago, but we were at Red Lobster eating. I think we went like after church or something. And this gentleman, this white gentleman, you know, we saw him like keep looking over at us. And we're all like, why does this man keep staring over here? But you know, we just keep going on and on. And then he came over to the table and he said, you know, are you Emelvin Porter? And my dad was like, yes. And he said, well, you probably don't remember me, but I came to see you at the Capitol. I was trying to get into law school and I couldn't get in. And you asked me a few questions about myself. You picked up the phone. You made a call. And the next thing I knew, I was in law school. And oh, you wow. changed wow. my entire life. Wow. And, and my dad said, I do remember you. Like, I do remember that. And so, you know, he talked and just talked to us a little bit. Went back to his family. We had dinner. Then it's time to go. We're like, okay, we'll take the check. And the lady said, oh, your whole, like, everything's been taken care of for you guys. And so oh, they wow. went on and left. And we were like, oh, bye you know nice to meet you and <laughs> kept eating and then it was time to leave and pay and he had paid for everything oh wow you know and so That's it was nice. just those moments of just recognizing just mm -hmm. how much um of an impact he had on people of all races and of mm -hmm. all just a man who believed in helping other people Oh, that's nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. that's good. So has he, did he influence your decision to run for District 99 House Representative? Well, um, I always knew that I wanted to be in politics. I saw that as something that I knew would call me one day. Like one day I know that I will step into this arena whenever the time comes. And I asked my father um, once before why he didn't push his children to follow in his footsteps. I mean, mm -hmm. why didn't you? I said, Daddy, I would have been a pretty badass lawyer. It's like, <laughs> you would have been a good lawyer. I said, well, why didn't you push me to go to law school? Like, why didn't you? He said, well, it wasn't for me to decide what your future would mm -hmm. be. It was for you to decide what your future That's would good. be. Right. He said, my That's expectation awesome. was that you went to college. That right. was my only expectation, okay. you know, that you get college, you go to college, and then you get married, have a family, and all of that. But right. whatever you decided to do, you had to be happy with that decision right he said and if law school was something you would have wanted you would have done it on your that own i wouldn't have had to sure. right. you know, push that, that. Mm -hmm. so um so to be here now and for him to not be alive to be able to talk these things through with him is very bittersweet but i know that we had talked about just different things along the way and you know i was like well one day dad i think i'll go into politics he was like well yeah you know it's just <laughs> you you do what you what you're called to do. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so is this, um, oh, I'm sorry. So fine. is this whole like um, coronavirus and everything impacting your campaign right now? It has in that I have to, you know, re-strategize what to do. Um, I actually enjoy knocking on doors. I hear when I first went into the campaign, people said, you know, you got to knock on doors. And I said, everyone says that like it's a burden. That's the best part of all of this. <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand why everyone keeps saying this to me like it's a burden. Like, I am excited about knocking on doors. And so that has been a difficult shift to not be able to get out. Like, Saturday, it was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, this would have been a great door knocking day. <laughs> Um, so just having to refocus my brain to think, okay, well, how do I still reach people outside of just making phone calls, but really wanting to be present and not being able to put together events. You know, we had some events lined up. So just now looking at how we'll utilize, like we were talking earlier about Zoom and just how do we utilize those additional mm -hmm. mediums to get right. across to people. Yeah. Um, and then with work, you know, work last week was busy, busy and being in the medical field. Um, so I had to make sure that I focused and 
took care of my team and took care of my doctors and to make sure that we served our patients and then um, use the evenings to just kind of get my brain wrapped back around. So now I'm excited about how to move forward and doing stuff like this, like a podcast and having videos and posting more videos online. So, yeah. yeah. Social media is probably very, um, it's underrated, I think. And I think this is kind of making it, especially it's one of those times where like social media and being very present on social media will probably be a really good thing right, right now, now just yeah. because exactly. yeah. so many people are sitting at home. And I thought about that. I was like, I'm kind of tired of social media because I mean, you're bored. I'm tired of yeah. social media. So you're just swiping, swiping, yeah. swiping. And everybody is like live or everybody's <laughs> talking or it's like, oh my gosh. But because you're so bored, it's like, I'm tired of it. But the, what else do I do other than yeah, watch exactly. her watch a movie 15 times or yeah. watch? Yeah, yeah. but. I have been surprised though. Like people have been getting really creative on social, social media, media, like yeah. doing mm-hmm. the um, the DJ parties. Yeah. Um. Just they've been doing like a lot of live things mm-hmm. on Facebook. I mean, just I mean not Facebook, but just social media in general with just the yeah, whole. They're having a comedy show tonight. Yeah, they're having a comedy show. They had the poetry um thing on coming back. They had the live. Ice had the live music event the other yep. day. Yeah. They had um, the live band at Ice, so you just watch it on your phone. Yes. So they've yeah. been getting really creative with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, um, especially if you pull it up on your computer or tablet exactly. and you have that stuff open and you're listening in the background mm-hmm. as you are cooking dinner or you're, right. you know, exactly. maybe doing some work, working from home, but you're right. listening to a live or a pre-recorded video mm-hmm. or something right. like that. Yeah. I saw exactly. some of the um, happy hours, like the virtual happy hours. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. See mm-hmm. a shot, take a shot. See a shot, take a shot. <laughs> yep. Like, um, okay. <laughs> Mika didn't participate. No, she didn't play with us. She it's all right, though. She didn't uh, want to play with us. It's okay. So, no. um, I live in your district, of course. Yeah. Um, we're neighbors, pretty much. Yes. But uh, what changes do you want to make in the community? Well, I feel that right now it is important more than ever that we have strong leadership and that we have unity in that leadership. If you think about even pre-coronavirus, um, just the economic prosperity that Oklahoma City is currently experiencing, the growth, the rapid growth that I feel we're experiencing, mm-hmm. the change in the market, you know, mm-hmm. just in our neighborhood alone, how the uh, the value of homes is increasing. And so when you think about people in politics um, and the position that they're in, it goes so much further than what they vote on, be it at the state capitol or at city council. It's also about how they're able to connect the community to the resources and opportunity that exist. And so what I would like to see and what I want to be a part of is helping to create that where we are unifying our resources. I mean, here in Northeast Oklahoma City in District 99, you have the Health Science Center, Mm -hmm. you have the VA Hospital, you have a governor's mansion, you have the state capitol, you have all of that in this district. Mm -hmm. Then you even take it over into Jason Lowe's district of 97, you have the zoo, you have the Omniplex, you have the racetrack. If you think about all of the things that are a part of Oklahoma City, it's in Northeast Oklahoma City, and in particular, these two districts, which both make up Senator Young's district of District 48. So when you have collective power working together, and then you include um, your city council person, you include your county commissioner, you include those other people in that play a part in what happens, mm-hmm. imagine how much greater it could be 
when all of us are not only working together, but then maximizing the resources and ensuring that our districts and our community benefit from those resources. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just, and in, I have not seen where that exists within this district. So how do you plan to like um, maintain the culture in our district? Because as you said, like a lot of what's going on is, I mean, we always talk about it, the gentrification of our, of our district mm-hmm. and the inability for some of us to even afford to continue to live in the east side and to maintain the culture over here. So like you're going into, you're going to be our house representative. Like, so what would you do or how would you, what would be your plan to maintain that culture here? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a, a really, just to backtrack on that, it is a personal um, challenge because that is what, you know, if you think about a community, everyone has a pocket where they want to belong. You know, you have yes. the Asian district, you know, you have the Hispanic side of town where where they have the opportunity to go to their markets and communicate with people that talk, you know, that communicate Very and speak true. Spanish. And so for us, that was the east side. Yes. You know, the east side is our part of town. Um, so to recognize the change, to recognize, one, the prosperity that's happening, all the stuff that's being built up. I mean, I remember going down 23rd when Soul Boutique, you know, a lot of you are too young. Okay. <laughs> like, you're probably too young to remember Soul Boutique. Where but was it? This it was on Northwest 23rd. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yes, Soul Boutique, <laughs> yeah. right? And I, I just have those flashbacks of, of going down 23rd and, and then for people to make the comments of, oh, I never go to that part of town and, and all of that. And then to see now where it is so different and so much is being built and you have Uptown and Midtown and all of that and mm-hmm. deep to look differently so I think one it is important that we make sure that we're counted and that we let it be known that we do live here so the census is coming up are people actively filling out their census um, census information and and counting for every person in your home and not being afraid to do that because that's where we make sure that we're counted and we're recognized and then from there when we're able to have an accurate representation in in the population and in the count, encouraging builders. You know, if you go over, um, like over by Douglas, um, I remember when they first started building mm-hmm. all of those newer homes. Yes. Because yep. um, that's another one I shared earlier. I'm a, like, I love open houses. So when my son was still in a stroller, we would go and walk through and look at all the little open houses <laughs> over there. Because <laughs> I thought it was so neat the way that they were building up mm-hmm. and to see so many black families moving over there yes. so yep, encouraging nice. developers to want to build to keep affordable housing mm-hmm. because what's happening in your more historic homes people are coming in and they're buying them and they're renovating and then they're selling them for 250 300,000 mm-hmm. dollars so if a person can afford a 300,000 dollar home what are the things that they're probably going to look for in that area a grocery store yeah schools yeah activity yeah right like if i'm in fact if i can afford that in a home i probably want those things in my my community community as well so if i were looking for a home today and i could afford a three hundred thousand dollar home and we're not talking about just to clarify like the big homes over in lincoln terrace we're talking about your single you know single story three bed one or two bath no garage or perhaps a detached garage. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So if I could afford that, I probably want a garage in a good school area. Exactly. Right. And 
for that house and I could get something so much better if I go further north and bigger, you know, 1,600 square feet for $300,000, just so I can say I live close to downtown, I wouldn't do that. So who we're attracting in and who's buying, again, it changes the dynamic of of the neighborhood. And that's been one of our biggest things. Like when we talk about, because me and Dante always talk about like this area and being in this area and all three of us have had to be creative about how we educate our kids. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, not that I don't live on the east side, but even in the area in which I live in, I wouldn't want my child in that school district or just the Oklahoma City School District period sometimes is really questionable. And so, like, our kids, all of our kids have gone to KIPP. Um, several of our kids have gone to Dove. Like, so just being, like, in, you have to be, like, so moving over here, if I was a family who could afford a $300,000 home, and I had little kids, then I have to start trying to become creative about what the education looks like. Yeah. So, like, yeah. the education in this district kind of sucks. Yes, it does. And, so that, and that's a problem. And um, when I moved over here, I knew that this is where I wanted to live. So I understood that, okay, my son is not in school yet. By the time he starts kindergarten, what are my options? And if I can't find a good option, and at that time... Wilson Elementary, so John Rex wasn't um, a factor back then, right? So Wilson, it was when Wilson Elementary was like the school to go to, you know, Um, and I inquired and said, well, you don't live in the district, so you'd have to apply, you'd have to enroll in your school Mm -hmm. and then apply for a transfer. I'm like, well, is that a guarantee? And they're like, well, no. I said, well, I can't roll the dice, so I guess I'm going to have to go private and I'll have to make other sacrifices so I can afford to pay Mm -hmm. for private school because I want to live in Northeast Oklahoma City. And I drive, you know, wherever to the grocery store now right. and to just go. I mean, even getting gas, you know, unfortunately. Right. I mean, we did have a gas station pretty close by, but now that one closed. So you got to right. go a little bit further. But all of those things. So when you think about your elected official, one, when I look at who's in office, I want someone in office who understands the challenges of where to send your kid to school. Right. Right. right? You right. can't you can't legislate and talk about and fight for things that you have not personally experienced and had to deal with. I agree. So I agree. I agree. that is something that um, the lack of change maybe that we've had or just Maybe not lack of change because I know it's it takes a lot to get there, but the voice to know what questions to ask, mm-hmm. what proposals to place, how to really say, okay, we're closing all these schools. What's the impact in my district for right. the schools that we're closing? Right. What right. size are the classes in the Oklahoma City Public Schools? Does it really make sense to have 30 kids in a class to one teacher? No, right. it does not. Like, what are we doing? What's happening in... Edmond School Districts and UConn and Mustang that they're growing and prospering, but Oklahoma City is not. We just continue to shrink and shrink and shrink. So if you're going to be at the Capitol talking about this and fighting for this and understanding, my sister was a school teacher. I know the sacrifices that she made on a teacher's salary, and she became a teacher because it gave her flexibility with her son to take care of him as a single mom. Mm -hmm. But what she earned... And what she had to go through, it didn't, you know, I mean, it was a trade-off. So to have that, Mm -hmm. so when teachers are fighting and and talking about how much they make and their resources, I understand. Because I I listened and watched what my sister had to fight and go through every single day. You know, and just what goes on with our kids. And then being a parent, 
to understand, you know, what differences it makes on the legislation you pass in reference to healthcare and education mm -hmm. um, and being in the healthcare field. I know when our patients come in, we are one of the few dental offices I know throughout the entire state that still accept Sunicare and Medicaid. And in our rural offices, so I support a dental office in Duncan, Lawton, and um, Weatherford, Oklahoma. So three rural markets. Mm -hmm. And definitely in our Duncan and Lawton office, we're one of the only dental offices that still accept Medicaid. Like so the others just don't take oh, it. So why not? I didn't because know that it that doesn't. Was an issue. Well, think about for your dental care for an adult, Medicaid will only cover a limited exam not a complete comprehensive exam, only a limited, and they will only pay for extractions for an adult. Right. So it doesn't cover a cleaning, so it's oh, not wow. promoting people to continue to have regular six-month maintenance so it's care. Health. It's not promoting health. You can only come in for a, comp or a limited exam, not a comprehensive, so you can't take a look at everything that's going on in the mouth. Right. And then the um, return on it, it's not that much. And then with children... It pays for more with kids, but even within what it pays, it doesn't reimburse that much. So Governor Stitt has this, you know, Sooner Care 2.0 plan and talking about people paying into premiums and all and paying into their health care. Well, me as a working woman, I, for my health insurance, for just my son and I, and I'm paid biweekly, but every two weeks, $250, it comes out for my health care. That's around how much comes out? Right. Every two weeks. Right for my just for me and my son, so if more providers, let's say if we had a situation where Medicaid Sunicare was accessible and it had a greater return to the providers and it offered more services, maybe then I could just insure myself at work mm -hmm. and pay sixty dollars, exactly. right, and then ins insure my son through the um, state program, and I'd even be willing to pay into that. Right. Exactly. Right. But mm -hmm. if you have the program set up where someone like me wouldn't qualify, so then you want to make the people who pay already make don't make that much money to right. begin with. And then what your what the return is, it's limited within that, at least from what I can tell with dental. Right. I know medical is different, but definitely on the dental side, you know, there it's just not lucrative. Oh, wow. And so a lot of our doctors that still accept it's because they want to ensure that they're able to serve. All oh, of the, the community. community. Yeah. That's nice. Sooner care itself know. is like, I mean, and I always say that, like, sooner care for kids is great. Like, yes. you know, when you have your kids, because, um, you know, even the kids in the in foster care, you know, they get Medicaid. So mm -hmm. that is, it's a great resource for them. Yep. But as you get older, like as an adult, like, it, it's, it's, it doesn't. Unless you're disabled, you get it. Mm -hmm. But then it's still limited. But it's still limited. It's right. very limited. Yep. So, like, um... Some of the things that they need or some of the things that you might necessarily like cleanings and things like that like if that's causing a true serious issue for you that's not even something that they offer now when you're pregnant they will right they'll right. do a whole comprehensive um exam and things like yeah. that because you know your dental is directly affecting your child mm -hmm. but outside of that then no i mean once you get off of your you have your child six weeks later you and your dental your is still affecting your body right <laughs> <laughs> if you're not taking care of your mouth and you have infection and disease in your mouth yes then that is infecting and impacting your body and so again it goes back to who do you want in office 
fighting and talking on your behalf? Do you want someone who can say, I've experienced this, I understand this, even if I haven't experienced that, I have enough experience in this area that I can relate? Right. You know, or, I mean, what's the purpose of why we put people in office? Right. So is it a, is it a big, like, thing for you running off being an African-American woman? Like, does it have its disadvantages? I would say in, in for this particular race, no, because these okay. positions have always been held. These seats have always been held by someone, you know, black. Um, I mean, definitely since daddy went into the Senate, it's his seat has always been held by someone black. And then, I mean, all of these others as well, when oh you my. think of people of, okay. like Kevin Cox or Opio Ture or, oh, you know, okay. just all of those right. that came before, yeah. okay. Angela Munson and just all of those different okay. people who oftentimes um, serve maybe from the House to the Senate or have their term in the Senate or the House. So as an African-American, no, because this is our district, this is our community. Although it's changing, it's still very representative of us. Um, So that makes you question then, like some of the people who've come before, if this is always like how how they've, I guess, perceived or how they've actually managed their seat, I guess is the question. Too, because if we've always had someone African-American, because I think sometimes we just think that maybe we're not represented. Well, I think we, we've always had someone African-American, but it's been in three seats. It's been in 90, well, and outside of Tulsa, but okay. just speaking on Oklahoma City area, mm-hmm. you've had 97, 99, and 48. But in the House, you know, you're talking about 100, right. um, over 100 representatives in the Senate, 48, and we're, you know, maybe three of that number or two of that number. We need more people more blacks running for offices in seats that aren't typically held by us. That's, you know, so someone in Edmond, you should run for the House or the Senate or in Norman or in Dell City or Midwest City or South. Like, you should run and we shouldn't think that our opportunity to serve is only where we're heavily populated. Right. So there's the plus, but then there's the the negative to that because it may minimize our scope. Right. And understanding that I could beat a white opponent in Edmond if I get out and vote because right. it's, you know, if I'm really out there because we do live everywhere. And it's not just about blacks voting for blacks, but it's, exactly. it's you know, I mean, I, Obama wouldn't be in office if only black people put him in office. That's right. right. I mean, That's we, right. I we think put things over the, the hump, but, okay. you know, you do want diversity. I mean, I speak yeah. Spanish and we have a, a large Hispanic population that's over here in this district. And they deserve someone as well who can communicate with them and understand and at least try to relate in the best way possible. And then as well with, you know, um, Caucasian people that live in the district, because I'm knocking on doors and I'm meeting all of our neighbors up and down the street. Mm -hmm. And it's been it's been interesting. and, And it's also been rewarding even for them to say, Oh, I know your brother, or I knew who your father was, and okay. and it's that I live in your neighborhood now, and I respect the history of your You're community, like, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's the thing I think for me when when you look at other um, other racial groups moving into a community that was high heavily populated by one on its own. You're well, we're all welcome, but mm-hmm. also respect you know the community over there by. Um, where they're building all those apartments and you have all of the historical black 
figures kind of through the gateways of the apartments right over off of 8th Street by the post office. You're talking about Paige? Oh, you yeah. oh, oh okay. Yes, that and then those new yes. ones, though, yes. that they built, all those. Yes, okay. and then how you have all the historic black figures through there. And just, again, oh, reminding that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that I was driving through there yesterday. And I was like, oh, my gosh, how cool is that? Is it on the building? Um, like, and the, when you're walking through the breezeway, and then they had, like, the overpass. And you'd see someone's face kind of cut that. out. And, you know, oh. like Ralph Ellison and then some little write-up oh, or something. Oh, so it was just a reminder of what's the history of this part of Oklahoma City. And let's not forget the history, regardless of who lives here. Let's make sure we still honor the The history history for this part of Oklahoma City. Now, when you say part, what what is the actual geographical area for, like House of 99 District? Where where is it? Um, So it's shaped like an eye. Okay, so it goes wide, narrow, and then wide. So starting from south... It goes as far south, um, not quite to like O Paris Flea Market, okay. Okay. right? Like off, off of okay. MLK, okay. not quite that far south, okay. but it goes almost there. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then it spreads out a little bit along all of the highways. Um, okay. And then it comes back up. So it incorporates all of this area um, with Lincoln and at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. But with Kelly, it only goes as far far down 23rd to like MLK. So Jason's district, Jason Lowe's district and this district very much border each other. So you have a wide base at the bottom and then it follows up Broadway extension. And so it will go, it crosses over to the part of it is on the east side of Broadway extension. Um, Maybe going over like to Santa Fe. So like the Wildwood. Um, no, not Wildwood. Wildwood. I think, no, because Wildwood is Jason Wildwood's and Jason. There's, seven, there's, mm-hmm. there's two Wildwoods. Oh, the other Wildwood is oh, the one sixty third mm-hmm. and like Santa Fe. So area. it barely, yeah, it barely kind of cuts that. It almost okay. cuts that in half. Okay. And then, okay. but then it goes further west, like up toward um, Western, and it kind okay. of teeters Western a little bit. So Broadway Extension out to Western, and then once okay. you hit Britain Road, so it gets wide. Okay. 122nd. So and all that still? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, it goes all the way up to like, yeah. It goes past Penn off of Hefner. Okay. Like it goes over into. I didn't realize into, that it was mm-hmm. that far yeah. out there. Yeah, so it's a weird eye shape. Yeah. Okay. And the only way I knew that was when Ken was running. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So like I was over knocking on doors in Chisholm, um, Chisholm Trail. Chisholm, Chisholm Trail. Mm-hmm. Yep. Chisholm Free or what they call College Park. Okay. Or, yeah. yeah. So we were like over off of one fifteenth, one seventeenth. Okay. All over I there. Never knew so that down either. western. Um. So like a hundred and. I mean, if you take from Britain and Western all the way going down, like, to 122nd. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I can actually put the sign So, yeah, so you can put the sign in your yard. Yes, you can. You can vote. Yes. You can vote. Yes. yes. Like, I think I'm just I'm like, y'all think I'm Yes. Nice. Yes. So it is. It's weird the way it's drawn it out. Is. Yeah. But okay. I drove it. Like, I had the map. And I was driving the perimeter of it all. You know, <laughs> like going all the way because when people would ask. Exactly. And yeah. so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. How far are you trying to take your political career? You know, I will take it as far as whatever God's will is for me okay. to go. And nice. even leading into the decision for this position, it was um, two years ago that someone had said something to me about it. Like, you should run for office. Like, ah. 
yeah, I, I will one day. Like, <laughs> like that's down the road. Like, yes, that's always been a part of my future, but not right now. Like, that's later. Um, but then it kept coming back to me, you know, and God is very um, persistent yes. when he wants you to listen. There does come a time where he'll stop pushing. Like, if you're not going to answer me, then I'm just going to close you off mm-hmm. to this. But he will push at you when he wants you to pay attention to something. And the last two years of just thinking about it and really praying it through, thinking about work, because I can't, I mean, I would still have to keep my job. It does not pay that much to be in office. So, but that's why most people are lawyers or, you know, they're self-employed because they still need other income. So just spending the time to make sure that I was in the right place because I knew what it was like to be a child of a politician and to grow up through that time and all of the different experiences, the the perks that came along with it, but also the burdens that came along with it. Oh, okay. And to put myself in that arena now as the candidate and the, the actual person, um, it was a lot to really think about. And I just prayed and, and talked it through. And um, my family was wonderful. They never told me what they thought I should do. They just always listened. And when I'd say, you know, I think I'm going to do it, they're like, okay, that's great. Even your son? Even my son, yeah. I was going to say, how does it affect your son? Yeah, he's like, okay, well, good. Maybe I can get some uh, additional, (laughs) you know. He's he's 16, and he's thinking, all right, cool. How is this going to help my business? How is this going to benefit me? Because he owns, yeah, he's a a stock contractor, so he owns Bucking Bulls. Um, okay. And so he was like, how could this help my business? He's, you know, but, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but no, my family just let me go through the stages of change. And okay. I paused, like, you know what, I'm not going to do it. And after our brother passed away, that was very difficult because it was completely unexpected. And, and I'm grateful to God that he let my siblings and I and my brother's family and my mother kind of go through that moment together. Mm-hmm. But it had me just, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing it. I can't. I just can't. And... Mm-hmm. I prayed and God made it very clear and he said, nope, you're going to do it. And I decided and I haven't even thought twice about it since. And I've been very intentional on just asking him to just guide me, seek him first and then allow him to just work everything out. So wherever it takes me, I'm happy. Nice. I'm happy to take it wherever okay. he wants it to go. Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is really good. So do mm-hmm. you have any like current platforms or anything like currently right now that you just like want everybody to know about? Like... Um, well, I think just outside of what's going on at the Capitol, making sure people, I want to stress the census again, that we, we have to, because with legislation, with redistricting, all of those things, the census is very, very important to that. So first and foremost, please make sure that you're filling out your census, you're counting everyone in your home, you're encouraging everyone else to fill out their census and as well. Um, And then getting into office and thinking about next year and the type of legislation coming our way, um, following up and continuing to uh, know what Governor Stitt's plans are with his health care plan. Health care is so important and given all of this. And I think a lot of people are going to be without jobs. I think companies are going to have to, maybe we can keep you employed, but we no longer can help pay for your benefits. Like those are things that potentially are going to be impacted. So what do we offer as the governing body of this state to ensure that our constituents and our residents are taken care of? So from healthcare uh, and then with education, because those are the two fundamental Mm -hmm. things. And I imagine our education system will look a little different 
So how does funding play into that? Right. You know, with schools having the ability to provide children with computers to be able to do stuff from home. Not you know, right. not every school gives a kid a a MacBook to go through the school year. And if we may turn into having more learning done at home, which potentially could be the case, right. then what does that look like and how is education being funded to make sure that those things aren't aren't cut and that we're still, that the haves and the have-nots, that gap just doesn't continue to get greater. Right. Because right. mm-hmm. that's been, a, I think, a huge concern is a lot of people are like, you have all these kids at home. There are parents, like, you know, we're fortunate that we can actually homeschool. I mean, I know I joke about, like, having to sit down and, you know, I have somebody standing behind me, but I understand the the information that's being given to my Mm -hmm. son. I understand that level of education, but what happens when you have kids who are at home with parents who don't? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Who who just cannot. Yeah, that's Um, what I was going to say, yeah. Who don't have the ability to, like, even if I try my hardest, I don't understand this. Mm -hmm. I read on a second grade reading level and you're in fifth grade. Or the patience. To sit patience, down because yeah, a lot exactly. of parents don't have the patience to sit down with their kid and make sure they do it. It's like, let me send them to school. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of parents are struggling just even with just being home with their kids every day. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think it's a struggle for a lot of people. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they let alone have to sit there and teach them too. Right. Yeah. So. I wasn't the best at homework time with my son when he was younger. I like I had, I My patience was short. I'm a, I'm a huge competitor. And so... You know, and I'm like, erase that. Write it over. <laughs> you know, I mean, and he would just be like, why are you yelling at me? What's seven plus three? What's seven minus three? Uh, and if you say five, one more time. Yes. I will never forget. I said two plus two. What is it? And he was like, um, what's five? And I'm like, five, it's four. And I'm just attacking him. And then I, I walk out the room. I'm like, go pour me a glass of wine. I'm like, oh, Lord. Like, let me talk standing behind me with the pencil going like this. <laughs> I wanted to just stab you with the pencil. I really wouldn't. And he said two plus two was five. five one more time. time. I swear I was going to like stab somebody with a pencil. So, that joke is always because that is me. Yes. yes. That's what I, I saw. I, I, I posted on Facebook the other day. I was like, oh Lord, I struggle through homework. Man, it's hard. So I had to just turn that over. And fortunately, I said, okay, so when your dad is here, this is his thing. I just can't. I know me. Like, I'm not going to be able to do it. And right. we're not going to get along. Right. No. And now, at a teenager, you know, we're so much better. And it's funny because he, you know, he's like, there's that voice again. When he was little. <laughs> you know, like, it's not a voice. He's like, yes, it is. You're yelling at me. So, so the patience, right? And if I, I mean, yeah, I would joke like, strangle him from behind the neck but I had enough self control to not do that but, but not inside, all parents don't but inside, I know, but inside you like inside, if you say you two plus two is five one more time just let me walk away let yes me walk let me away just walk away and I'm like or if you write off that yes. line one more time like, I said what is this your teacher's not gonna accept this I would just not do this and he's just like oh my god it's the same I'm here. seven I used to erase, erase, all erase it all go rewrite that I used to make my son do that yeah go rewrite that because if you can't understand it how you expect somebody yeah, else to understand it yeah. and, and he's yeah. 14 and his hand body is still yeah that was me this week you yes. can't even read that to me i said now what number is that maya said 
Uh, <laughs> well, if you don't know what it is, nobody else in here knows what this is. Go pre do that. that right. Yeah. yeah. So that's so. it's going to be a challenge for a lot of parents. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So now I know it's important to vote. I have listened to, and I think even Apollo has said, like it, in District ninety nine, is it twenty thousand? Yes. So registered? we have twenty thousand um, registered voters in District ninety nine, and in the last election, less than five thousand voted for this race. That's crazy. And the margin of victory was like a hundred votes. Oh, wow. Really? So what do you think is causing yeah. the issue with voters? Like people actually getting out and voting? I think that we have become complacent with our local elections. And we, True. you know, we, we just tend to go with whomever's in office. Like, ah, that person, I don't know anything about them, good or bad. So there's no drive to go out and vote because you don't know... As far as the person in office, you don't know anything about them, good or bad, so you may or may not get out and vote. And I'm guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, I vote for the big elections. The big elections. And things like that, but mm-hmm. as far as, like, the small ones, um, I don't really get out and vote yep. for that. So, like, the primary is June 30th. And like, like the for me, I elections. struggle with that, though, because I, I guess for me, because I'm like, well, the small elections, and, and because I'm a state employee, too, so a lot of stuff that are on those ballots exactly. affect me yeah. and affect me directly as an employee. So I always try to read the ballots. Mm-hmm. I always try to make sure that I know kind of what the question is, what they're asking, if I get out and vote. And then when I realize like um, some of the funding and some of like, we skip over a lot of different things do. and we allow people to vote for things sometimes. And we don't even know mm-hmm. that we missed an election and missed a vote for something. And we're like, well, why are they, cutting all the kids off and putting Education. them in different like, like why are they the school right books, you know what happened to school books? books like when did they do that and then you go back and you read oh they put into law something like that like so um and a lot of our like um da's and stuff will come and present laws on like child welfare and things like That's that good. and they like mm-hmm. present that stuff but it's good to an extent but sometimes some of the things they're presenting, you want to know, like, if if I, how do I feel about that as a citizen? Well, and you get the information, being a state employee, you have a leg up to, you know, John Q. Public because you're getting information that, and you're paying attention differently because of your profession. Right. And most voters, like you were saying, they think about the big elections. Oh, it's the presidential election. And then whatever else is on that ballot I will vote, but for the smaller elections in between, um, like there would have been one in April that they postponed, and then you have the primary on June 30th, ensuring that people get out and vote and that we have more, um, a a larger turnout, which comes from just continuing to get the word out. And I think as people who do vote all the time, the more that they kind of remind their friends and family to get out and vote, hey, did you go vote? Don't forget to go vote. Right. You know, it's that, oh, yeah, that is today. Right. Yeah. And you yeah. did, kind of did that for us. Yeah, you Make sure. As she said, the messenger said, um, ha, 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 I might. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know, but what she said was, I haven't done any research, just like she just said. So she was like, she didn't want to vote, but she didn't do any research. But it was like two questions. I was like, girl, yeah. it's two questions. But <laughs> the, non, the, the lack of research, because I've been there, too. Like, well, I don't really know. But the lack of knowledge does not compare to the lack of votes exactly. that get counted. Right. Because if you don't really know and you guess, we have a 50 50 chance of voting the way that you would have wanted to. And if you don't vote at all, you have a 100 percent chance of not being heard at all. So 
Mm-hmm. So I have a question. So like for people like me or people out there that don't know where to go or to look to see what's going on, what website can they go to to find out? Um, I know that there are oftentimes like on just the government websites when an election co- is coming up, the election board web- websites that they okay. should have that information listed where you can go okay. and find out. Um, and this is, again, where your community leaders provide that information. But um, anything that's your state questions and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you can always access that and find that online. And, and we I, get mm-hmm. upset a lot, I think, about, like, presidential elections. Those are big, right? But we don't think about how much the actual local elections affect us as citizens every mm-hmm. single mm-hmm. day. Yeah, that's true. Yep. And so a lot of times we're like, no, nah, it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter. But the what's not that big of a deal is who's the president because granted he does you know work in the country but your state and local um those directly affect you as a person oh yeah i mean remember when Fallon was in office and all the nonsense that she had going on i mean look at what we have right now with this open carry that has nothing to do with what's going on on a federal level it's just right here Locally, that right. you know, you can. So you know, if guns. somebody decided one day they just didn't like the fact that people walk backwards and chew gum, like you could literally go and put that on a ballot, and then somebody, you know, one day you'll be like, "Why are you pulling me over for this one?" They'll be like, "It's law," you know, and you <laughs> voted it. You didn't, or you voted or didn't vote mm-hmm. for it. But those are kind of the like if you go and read like the laws, some laws are really stupid, mm-hmm. but it's just because somebody introduced them and people just didn't pay attention to them. Yep. Well, and here's the thing too, we. To really understand when people talk about their vote doesn't count or what difference does it make or it's all rigged anyway or all the conspiracies that they have. And I think back to there was a period of time during my parents' lifetime that they could not vote because of their skin color or for women who could not vote. Because I am a woman, I legally cannot vote. So when we have such a democracy where everyone's voice can be heard and counted, Mm -hmm. the fact that we don't vote in larger numbers is just astounding to me. And to really recognize how much power we really do have if we use it. 20,000 voters just in this district and less than 5,000 voted. And a hundred and a difference and a difference of like a hundred votes for victory, like that really is an every vote count. That is an every vote count. Every vote count. Every vote count. Too close. Too close. So if that's the limited number that voted just in this district, and we talk about diversifying our political arena, you know, you really could have a lot of opportunity to really to have your political leadership represent your community if people get out and exercise their right to vote. That's true. And I'm going that I even get educated because I don't know do research either. So I won't say that with at church. Because mm-hmm. normally, true. Yeah. any of the local representatives, they normally come to my church. Yeah. You know, and that's okay. how you really kind of get educated about what they're going for and what they, so mm-hmm. I guess, you know. Just but, and that's a good thing, you know. It because, is a good thing. Yeah. Information comes right. in a lot of different ways. Right. But, just um like stressing they say oh you should drive registration i said i just want to drive people who who are registered right exactly like i get it we want to register more people to vote and we should drive voter registration but we should also drive voter registration and registered voters voting right right Right. it is you know yeah because that's a huge difference i mean it yeah yeah right between the number of people voting and the actual registered voters yep so you definitely want to get that out there. Mm-hmm. So June thirtieth. June thirtieth is your big day. My big day. And it's who very you, short, who's very your opponent? Close. Do you know? Um, the incumbent who's currently in office. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. AJ Pittman is okay. the incumbent. Okay. So and I thought that, against. and mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if she was in your district or Jason Lowe's. I felt I don't know, I, or I felt like maybe she wasn't there anymore. Okay. So how many? How long 
long is the term? Is it's it, a two-year term. Okay, so I'm okay. like, dang, she okay. just got in office, mm-hmm. right? Okay. okay. Two-year yeah. term. Yeah. Okay. So, and it's just, you know, um, be it one person or five people, it's like, what do you want right. in a representative? And that right. is a question I think we really have to ask ourselves. What do we want? And if you think about the qualities, the characteristics, the ability to communicate, the leadership skill, the ability to collaborate, mm-hmm. and the experience, if you think about that, then we have no choice but to make change. Right. And yeah. so with that change that's coming, who's the best person to represent? And I definitely, I wouldn't be here if I didn't think I was the best per- person to represent. I wouldn't put myself through this. I wouldn't put my family through this um, because it's a lot to take on when you're taking it on for the right reason. You know, this right. isn't something like, oh yeah, I think I'm going to run. Well, I'm a porter, so I should run. <laughs> well, if I were going right. to do that, I would have done that a long time ago, right? right. Um, so it's not about that at all. It's really on, I've, the things I've experienced and gone through in my life leading up to this point in my, you know, very thankful 46, almost 47 years is that it, it has led me to be ready for what is to come. And I trust that our community and our voters will hear that message and will share that message and will get people out to vote because we have way too much. I have too much to lose. Like I am represented in this district. Right. So, I care about who's fighting for for us, and we have a lot to lose, and we can't afford to be lazy, to not vote, to vote simply on a name. I don't want you to vote for me just because I'm a porter. I want you to pay attention. Maybe that makes you pay a little bit more attention to me. You're like, oh, that's email of a porter starter. Let me pay a little bit more attention, but I want you to vote for me because I am the person that would get in office and get to work for you because my father's not in office. I am. Right. 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 So where can people find like information about you if they want to research you? So my website, um, www.porterforahouse99.com. And then of course I have a Facebook page. Um, my personal page is Susan Porter, but there is a people for Porter Facebook page and then on Instagram. And so just um, Porter for house 99 on Instagram. So, um, ways to stay connected, but the website and they can sign up for email notifications or to be a volunteer. Um, although we're not door knocking, we will, we are making phone calls and calling constituents in the district. And so just having those resources and then donations, it takes money to run a campaign, paying for walk cards, mailers, yard signs. So, um, you know, $5 to a thousand dollars, like it doesn't matter every single dollar means so much to me when I get an email notification it says so and so donated ten dollars. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so great. Just as when I get something so and so donated a thousand dollars. Like that is so great. Every right. dollar counts. So So where do they donate? Do they donate on your website? On, uh-huh, on the website. There's a donate button on the website. It's really simple. I donated to my own campaign as a test to see what happened. I'm like, so let me see what happens. So I'm going to donate. <laughs> let me see. And then I got the email and my email that said, thank you for your donation. And so, yeah. Nice. So I was like, okay. So I can tell people, no, it's super easy. Um, just okay. donate on the website. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank yes. you for having thank me. This, this was, was awesome. This is so easy. It so, um, <laughs> shout out to Apollo. Yes. yes. Thank you, Apollo. Yes. Thank you, Apollo. For the connection. Um, yeah, he slid us that one too. We appreciate Apollo for that. So, um, you guys know we are on Seattle Hip Hop Radio every Monday and Friday, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. 
you can either go to seattlehiphopradio.com and listen that way on your laptop, or you can download the app on any of your mobile devices. Um, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are Mocha Tea, it's one word, Mocha Tea Podcast, one word, on all of those platforms. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and follow us on Facebook. We are at a th- over 1,000 followers yeah, on, on Yeah, almost 1,100 oh, nice. on Facebook. We are finally reached 700 on Instagram, so we're getting up there. Um, and then um, we are on SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Apple um, Podcasts, and also YouTube. Um, we post a new episode every Sunday. So if you guys go in there, you can listen to the episodes. You can pause the episode, come back to it. Um, hey, it's quarantine time. So you guys go listen. Okay. You ain't got nothing but time. Nothing but time. <laughs> <laughs> go listen. Go listen. <laughs> um, and then if you guys have any inquiries for us, we are at mocha t2018 at gmail.com. So that's M-O-C-H-A-T-E-A-2018 at gmail.com, and we are out. Peace.